Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode six. Last week we did Seven Samurai, and tonight we're doing the remake, The Magnificent Seven, the original one. Coming back from last episode is Paul Sun-Yung Lee and Patrick Haggerty. Peter Harvey could not make it, so filling his spot is the wonderful Ken Cooperus, who was the creator of the Stanley Dynamic and was a writer on The Listener and various Stargate series. And they sat down to watch a movie with me. All right, so we're sitting down to watch The Magnificent Seven, and around the room we'll introduce... It's Paul Sun-Hyung Lee again. And Patrick Haggerty. And Ken Cooperus. Playing the part of P- Peter... Harvey. <laughs> Sorry, Peter, I blanked on your name in there. Uh, so, yeah, so who, I think it's similar to the last week's episode, which was Seven Samurai, yeah. where everyone except for Paul has not seen the movie. That's right. But in this case, too, I, I, again, I saw The Magnificent Seven before I saw Seven Samurai. So it's the the, the whole case of seeing well, the, the remake. Before I the saw movie. the remake of the remake before I saw Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai before I saw this tonight. And in between, yes. today, um, Paul left me... I keep forgetting the name of it. Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh, yeah. Which is a Roger Corman version of Seven Samurai in Space. Yeah. Which is terrible. Uh, <laughs> Richard Thomas is the lead. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, George Pappard. Amazing. Oh, nice. Who is playing the uh, Steve McQueen Version who is playing the other version. Who plays Hannibal in A-Team, which A-Team is essentially like a t- 80s <laughs> TV series but version of George Pappard so. was originally offered, like, they, they wanted him for the Steve McQueen part, originally. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They, he was he was up up there for that. I mean, you got to remember, this is 1960. Understood, yeah, that makes sense. So... Anyway, yeah, so Battle for the... Battle Beyond the... I keep on getting it wrong. Battle <laughs> I don't want to remember stars. Battle Beyond the Stars. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> they it's have a one of his finest. Uh, I'm sure it is one of his finest. <laughs> That doesn't mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's it all contextual. All your work, right? yeah. There's a spaceship in it that is pretty much a woman's torso, naked with no with no <laughs> limbs. I'm almost certain. Yeah, uh, and I don't know why I kept on watching it, I, but I just did. I was finishing my taxes. When last night? No, I watched it this afternoon. Today, yeah. Oh, yeah, Paul left it, so I punished myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have running in the background while you're. Yeah, it was a good, it, was, it was an okay background tax movie. Yeah, <laughs> were, were the, was the comparison to Seven Samurai funny? Like, did, were, could you see it? Was it a little bit? But it was more like they were just like one guy was like they're they're all the mercenaries from different planets. And one was like a, a cowboy from like Earth, I guess. That's George Papard character. Yeah, right? and uh, it, and it was like he had a hot dog at one point. He's like, "This is what we call meat." There was just uh, a weird like yeah. topical <laughs> jokes from that era. <laughs> that it was just it just fell with a thud. Well, it was like watching a, like if you've watched the 1975 like Battlestar Galactica by Glenn E. Larson, you know, with the original Starbuck and Apollo Richard Hatch, and uh, uh, I love that. As well. uh, the guy who plays Starbuck, uh, Benedict. I don't want to say Benedict Cumberbatch, but it's not him. No. Um, Dirk Benedict. Anyways, no. have you seen that? No. Oh my God, guys. Like, it is like the, the style 
the way it's shot, the special effects, the ships, even the sound effects, the special effects that they use are directly taken from Battlestar Galactica. So for me, because I grew up watching Battlestar, yeah, was it, it was like watching a really bad episode of Battlestar Galactica where <laughs> Apollo and Starbucks just don't show up. <laughs> it's just, you're like, oh, so this is what the other 12 colonies were doing during the Cylon invasion. That's what it felt like. Like wearing the boob ships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So let's start with Ken. So why haven't you seen The Magnificent Seven? I think it's because I and I'm I watched a lot of movies in my life, especially as a kid and a teenager. But westerns kind of slipped me by, and I think it's because my dad watched a lot of westerns, and I, I you know, I didn't watch my dad's movies, right? So it was like Tarzan movies were a no go and westerns were a no go. <laughs> <Those two things. laughs> yeah, that's all I would watch because that's what came on Saturday Sunday afternoon. You know, like that's when he would have time to watch TV. It's when I'd want to watch TV and I'd have to watch his crappy movies. So I think I avoided them. But I watched a lot of uh, '80s westerns like Silverado and the Young Guns movie growing mm-hmm. up. But I never like the ones that were older than that. I just didn't get into until much later. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me that you actually own this movie. I do. <laughs> I own the box set of. Uh, I think there's four movies in the uh, in the set. Yeah, what do you have? And uh, strangely, I've watched a few of the sequels recently, um, but not the uh, but not the first one. Which is, and you said why? I love this. Well, <laughs> it's because I have kids at home, and I have um, a wife who, whenever I sit down to watch something, inevitably either the kids or my wife need something, or I got I have. To chores to do or or I get work or phone calls so I tend not to watch the movies I really want to watch I put on lesser movies um, and I can cons- as much as I wanted to watch that first movie I decided to watch and I remember um, it was because the kids were there and they were doing something in the room with me um, and you know when you have those really good movies you just don't want them spoiled you want to watch them in, in you know the way they were intended to be watched in complete silence and uh, and so it was easier for me to watch what I knew would be lesser versions of that, which were the sequels. And they were not good, so uh, it, it worked out perfectly. Yeah, and I own this as well. Mine came like a Steve McQueen box set. Oh yeah, so I have a different box set mm-hmm. and also included uh, Magnificent <laughs> Seven. And never, and I just never got around to it. I don't know why. I have no good excuse. <laughs> Patrick, because well, you buy a lot of movies. I buy a lot. Of, that's have, other you probably too. have about forty or fifty that you haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, I would hence this podcast, <laughs> forcing other people to watch them with me. I have a similar answer that I had to for Seven Samurai, where I just you know I'm I'm, I'm a big movie fan, cinephile, but kind of a neophile. I just uh, and a child of the '80s, and, and uh, you know I watch more movies from like sort of '70s, '80s onward. Um, I appreciate the classics, but I I think I've always avoided them, and maybe avoided older movies. Maybe something left over from when I was young, where you know modern movies are faster paced, and I think. Whenever I saw older movies, they seemed to have a slower pace, and perhaps it didn't mm-hmm. they didn't hold my attention. Um, but I, I appreciate seeing them, and I like to see them, like in, a, in sort of a, with the, the whole concept of this thing. Like I, I like it being forced to sit down and to not forced, but you know, not the opportunity to see it. You can't see it. We have a gun to Patrick's head. You might. Well, we can't can't see what's going on. I am wearing a cowboy hat. I love the like fact that you are wearing a cowboy hat. Um, but but that's it. I, that's I not an accident. He was just going to wear that today anyway. <laughs> I do. I do. I do wear it often enough. But, um, <laughs> I love Ken's answer though about uh, watching lesser movies because there's always distractions around. I that I've I've been guilty of a lot of that uh, lately too. Like if I look through the list of movies I've watched in the past few years, often I will put on some silly comedy rather than these great movies yeah. I want to watch because 
because they they need uh, they need the respect of like quiet and time absolutely and no distractions and, yep and it's easier to yeah put on a lesser movie what a shitty thing to say yeah <laughs> it's terrible no, it's, yeah, a, it's I, a weird truth I did that literally this afternoon while I finished my taxes <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I cannot judge uh, alright with, with that let's dive in yay let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat alright so shorter than last night yeah, by a mile. Yeah. <laughs> so we were just talking about the cast because obviously this cast is far more recognizable than the one we watched <laughs> yeah. last night. I was referring to the, the leader of the last nights as uh, Asian, Mar- no Asian Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's a superstar in, in Asia. At the time of course, I'm like, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got Gil Brenner, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson. Robert Vaughn, James Gardner, uh, no, no Colbert, not, not James Gardner. Yeah, Eli Wallach, Eli Wallach, and uh, introducing Horst Buckholtz. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever do anything after that? I don't know. I, I think he must have he must in the fifties, yeah. but I mean, oh, he was the guy, the young guy. Yeah, the young guy. Well, what's interesting? So you didn't watch Seven Samurai? No, so he yeah. was a combination of two characters. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, they combined the the two young guy, the younger yeah, characters, the Toshiro Mifune wannabe. Character, the one of the samurai who was first, and then the, the, and the young guy, guy. yeah, oh, which okay. was a smart move. Yeah. And then they introduced, and the character that was in this that wasn't in Seven Samurai was kind of the gun shy guy, Robert Vaughn, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, they, but they also, like Charles Bronson character, they, they gave him an aspect of that the, 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 the mad dog, Mifun character, a little bit of that, where, yeah. where he bonds with the kids in the village, yeah, that, that yeah. was like, yeah, anyway. that's right, that was the tissue like, that character. aspect gave it to another character, right. I found like they gave all the characters a little more something specific to do than they yeah. all. Yeah, you know, they had. Uh, they they really did have indi- real individual arcs that uh, you know they all serviced at one point or another. So that was pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, and the one that one improvement of the the remake of the remake uh, is Ethan Hawke plays the guy that is kind of the the guy that doesn't um, shoot. Oh, the Robert Vaughn character. The Robert Vaughn character Lee, and they give him. I'm sorry, I'm just going to walk around and make sure that the directors are not. And they give him uh, a much stronger story as to why why he is that way and why he hasn't shot in a right. long time. Right. So they, they actually fleshed that story out quite a bit more. In um... So I've never seen the, the, the remake of the remake. <laughs> what did you prefer, Jeremy? Oh, uh... You know, it's really interesting between the th- shit I've now watched in the last 24 hours. I've watched three versions of the story. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you saw the 2016 version. 2016 version. And I've seen the 2016 version of those four. And I've actually never seen Three Amigos. Oh, okay. Never. Yeah, yeah wow. it's one of my black holes. It's great. Wow. Uh, Ken was talking about how... Uh, he, we, we, just, you talked about your experience at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, in the first five <laughs> minutes of the movie, I realized that it was... It was a rip-off it was Three Amigos. Basically, <laughs> it was basically Three Amigos, right down to the music. The music yeah. was... And, uh, and uh, Paul, you pointed out that yeah. it was the same composer. Same composer. He came back to do that. And, that man, did it sound because exactly he, like the Three Amigos. <laughs> he basically just accepted a paycheck for the same music. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, it's in the spirit of yeah, they're going to. It was more whimsical, but um, very strange. I I had no idea that Three Amigos was actually um, somewhat of an homage to this, Um, if not a direct parody. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty close. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Three Amigos since the 
eighties, I think. So. Yeah. <laughs> so so back to your question of the of the three of the, like the Seven Samurai, this and the remake, the remake. I think they all have their own strengths in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I was, we were talking about just before I turned this on, and I started. I was fading by the end of this mm-hmm. tonight. I don't know if it's just that we were up late last night, um, but I was fading a bit. At the uh, at the end of this, uh, and part of it is because like I now know the ending of the story <laughs> um, as, as it goes. But I don't know. It's like because I, I I quite enjoyed the the remake of the remake. Um, you know, it's 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 an hour and twenty minutes. It's an hour and twenty minutes. Getting it shorter. The little pauses and it's no. It's I mean the new the the, the newest one is pretty good. It's like the cast is amazing. It's like you've got you know Denzel Washington yeah. is in the Hugo Brenner role. Chris Pratt's the Steve McQueen role. But I'm wondering then the kids watching that version, the 2016 version, mm-hmm. will it become an iconic sort of like, no, you know, and I think that's a true measure of it. But that's, I think it's oh, already forgotten. But that's yeah. also well, that's like, right? you went to lunch and you missed it yeah. playing in the theaters and now it's out on Blu-ray. And even then I saw it and I thought, should I pick it up? I think it'll come out on Netflix really soon. So mm-hmm. I'll just hold off on buying physical Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's also the nature of movies today now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. is that what is so so few things become classics yeah. now anyway. Because is it because they are so derivative of everything else? I mean, it's another remake. It's literally a remake yeah. of a re- of a remake. So part of it's that. Yeah. When you think of like Magnificent Seven, you know, you're talking about what came out in sixty three? Nineteen sixty. Sixty. Yeah. So at that point, you know, with the exception of, you know, college students or whatnot, there's not a lot of people watching Japanese foreign cinema. Mm. In, in North America, I don't think. So probably when Magnificent Seven came out, not a lot of people in North America had seen Seven Samurai. I think that's a safe thing. Oh, yeah. You know? So it was an original movie for yeah. a lot of people. So it was kind of like, you know, the, not the compared to Star Wars and like that, but it's like it was a really original movie that inspired a lot of stuff. So now it's hard to compare a remake to that. It's never going to, no matter how good it is. Yeah. Because it was a solid remake of a remake. This um, was also made, though, I mean, um, the original was made in the age of Westerns. Yeah. They're, they're just, Westerns now do not draw the same kind of, uh, no. The same kind of audience at all. And I think this was probably known as one of like the ten poles of the Westerns. Um, yeah, I think it's actually a late entry into the Westerns, but, this is but definitely the, a solid one. Because yeah, this is after The Man Without a Face, right? No, and Man Without a Name. Um, no, I think no. those were... Uh, the Pill Rider series yeah. was, was after. Like, was that 60, after? You're talking late 60s, early 70s. Fistful yes. of Dollars, those yeah, ones. Like the Sergio Leone stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're contemporaries, right. but if you're talking Outlaw Josie Wales, the man... Um, which is later on. Sorry, that's what I got confused with. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's um, just the golden age of like you know the Gene Autry westerns and like uh, you know the 1950s yeah. were just wall to wall westerns. This is actually um, late period western. Um, after this, it turned into. I think this signaled more of the revenge western, the um, mm-hmm. the spaghetti westerns came yeah. out of this. Um, this was kind of like I'm the end of then. the golden age of westerns into the new age of westerns. It was kind of a gateway to like the more uh, violent, um, the more visceral right. um, westerns that came after it, and, and that's why it became iconic then. Mm-hmm. That's well, I think the cast as well. I mean, that was an all-star cast at the time. Yeah, they were great. But that's what a lot of movies were, kind of, in, in a sense, in those days. I mean, the movies that I remember seeing. Like, for example, the next movie that Sturgis did that I remember is, like, The Great Escape, mm-hmm. yep. right? And you have an all-star cast. But even going to, like, movies, war movies like The Longest Day 
where you have, again, an all-star cast. A Bridge Too Far, which was in the 70s, was an all-star cast. The right? Red Line. Yeah, the, uh, even the, um, the other ones, uh, uh, like Ocean's, Ocean's, Ocean's Eleven. Eleven. Right? The, the original, the Rat Pack version was right. just... I mean, you didn't... The, the ones that stick out for me, at least, are yeah. the ones with the... the like, yep. Oh, my God. I mean, Yul Brenner was great. In this movie, mm-hmm. he was so. I thought he was just so cool. What else is he known for? I'm not super familiar. Uh, with not either. Uh, Westworld you know, came after. Westworld, yeah. And, uh, uh, the King and I, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, etc., etc. Where's, where's he from? Where's what's his? Yeah, he has such an interesting accent. He's not from America. Yes. He's. Uh, let me just double to check. the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's um, yeah, Westworld's probably the one he's no, most known for. for, maybe, or maybe even this, but... This, this, yeah, he's like... He's great in this. I really oh, he's like so great. Yeah, very cool. And, uh, you know, him and Steve McQueen, they were really, they were really, um... It, this is like a buddy, like the equivalent of a buddy cop movie, really. It's, from but the, it's so funny, because they fought. I, they, that, they you don't see that on screen. I thought they had great they, chemistry. Yeah, Eli Wallach in a... In a in a, it, they had a documentary on him, and he, he was the one that sort of spilled the beads in terms of the, hmm. the animosity they had. Yeah. Because Steve McQueen was always trying to pull focus and upstage Yul Brenner whenever <laughs> they're on. And if you watch it again, like little things, he, they would point out how many times he'd adjust his hat or mm-hmm. look at something while the focus was supposed to be on Brenner because that movement would just sort of draw your eye to yeah. him. But sure. that's just being a good actor. That's just like. You no, know, he was trying to touch on I mean, it got to the point where, like, Yul Brenner had his assistant count how many times. <laughs> <laughs> McQueen touched his hat. Wow. Like that whole bit with him shaking the shotgun shells and <laughs> taking his hat to test the wind and stuff like that. Like that's right on the commentary, I think, where they say like he's 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 doing that to just pull focus. Uh-huh. And if you look at it, he's constantly right. fidgeting. Well, and Yule's character was doing like the the. the but for me, that that like that's like. so much about his character too. Like maybe that was just a tactic to pull focus. Sure, but it also. I like those little attentions to details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it felt like at least he was doing stuff that was authentic to, you know, being a cowboy. You know, checking the wind, checking, sure. making sure the shells. Yeah, it wasn't just like him scratching his face. Yeah, or doing. <laughs> and you know, they had. Uh, I didn't see it. You know, they kept it hidden because I didn't see it. If it really felt like they had great chemistry together. Sure. Yeah. yeah. In fact, all of them were pretty good together. Well, I have to say, in their Brenner was he had a, a lot of in terms of. Yeah, well, like, uh, um, the one before, like, Westworld is from 1973. So he was actually known more from, from, from at least for me, from, from Mag- Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm. But even then, he had more pull from the Magnificent Seven. Um, well, it seemed at the time, perhaps, he was a bigger star. McQueen was just up and coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, McQueen credits, probably that dynamic, credits though, him sure. because as he was dying, apparently, he called Brenner and said, you know, I'm sorry and thank you. And Brenner was like, "Why? Why are you saying thank you?" So because that movie made my career. Yeah, the magnificence of it, and you could have kicked me off the movie for being such an asshole <laughs> on it. Um, but uh, Yul Brenner, oh, where is he from? I was looking at his film. On, film on. <laughs> uh, yeah, because this is what I mean. Steve McQueen is the one that pops out as me as the breakout star of this movie. He um, claimed to be half Swiss, half Japanese, born on the island of Sakhalin. In reality, he was a son of a. Maruzia, Dimitria, <laughs> the Russian daughter of a doctor, and uh, so neither Japanese. He's a Russian <laughs> of Swiss German and Russian oh, descent, basically. Whoa, that's funny. You should he's say that about uh, Steve McQueen. I actually thought the young kid was uh, real, like a real scene stealer. 
He was great, but not a breakout star. Like no, what of course not. We've yeah. seen him in. No, true enough, true enough. Uh, but he reminds me now of uh, what's the guy's name? The guy, that, uh, the guy that's gonna be playing the young Han Solo. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, that was in um, the Cohen, uh, yeah. Hail Caesar. Mm-hmm. He reminded me of that guy. So yeah. nobody can remember his name. Yeah, no. yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep it another year, right? Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. We'll all be shaming ourselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we know. We said yet. Eli Wallach uh, wearing some uh, Mexican uh, brown, face. brown face. That was kind of uh, interesting. Well, those Mexican villagers, their English was fantastic. <laughs> well, the fact that they weren't like that thrown off by the young guy just happening to be be there for a couple minutes. Yeah, spoke to their like. Well, you know that uh, there's makeup. a great there's a great scene in Three Amigos. Where um, Chevy Chase goes undercover as one of the men, and it was—it's okay. one—it's probably the funniest scene in the whole movie. Well, where El Guapo, the character, um, you know, the Three Amigos version, is is having—he's uh, having a conversation with them though. And this, he doesn't talk to them in, in the Megas <laughs> yeah. and Seven. He, he lights, to him. lights a guy a cigarette. But him and cigarette. Chevy Chase have this long conversation where El Guapo's <laughs> trying to—he's trying to remember who he is. <laughs> he's like, you know, when what did we do together? And Chevy Chase is going, we 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 pillage the village. Oh yes, we pillage the village, and it's such a funny scene. Like, uh, so they really did uh, steal um, a lot of stuff from this. Well, well that, that happens a, in uh, Samurai as well. It's a smaller scene though. It's just like they go off. So the one, the cooler, yeah. the the guy, the knife throwing guy. Like the snake guys there. The, there's an equivalent character <laughs> in the uh, in Samurai Seven Samurai. Yeah, I missed that. Like, they don't, have, they don't that have any guns, that. right? They right. just have like bamboo shoots yeah. and swords. And so, but the the marauders have three guns. Oh. And so the one guy at night is just like, I gotta get a gun. So he walk, wanders <laughs> off into like the woods at night, and the next morning he comes back, like, and, there, and there's yeah. like there's two less guys, and he throws down a gun. Yeah. It's like, how did you get the gun? They, they, you don't ninja. see it. They don't yeah. show you how he does it. And then so that guy goes, I want to get a gun. And he, the, the crazy guy's like, I'm gonna do that too. Yeah, and so he basically goes into the woods and find, just sits down beside one. And they start having a conversation, wow. chit chatting, and he, and he hands him the gun to like inspect it. He's also in disguise. He's also wearing a little bit of banded armor. Yeah, That's cool. yeah. So, uh, so there's, it's 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 really interesting watching all the parallels between these three. Those are maybe two of my favorite scenes in Seven Samurai, and I was like, so I noticed in this one, like, oh, that's I, I was really enjoying watching the parallels, but they made it their own. Which I really like. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I kind of missed the one where the, the the silent, cool killer guy with the switchblade. He didn't really do that, and then yeah, and then they did it with the younger guy. He sneaks in, but it, it kind of seemed a little quick. Like he boom, he was just there. Mm-hmm. Like oh, oh, okay, he's he's hanging out with the bandits. Hmm. Uh, what I love about, and then I well, I guess our our guy Paul, that knows Paul everything Paul walked away. But um, what I love is like well, you see that in. In Star Wars as well, it's like Luke and Han put on sure. stormtrooper yep. costumes and they they walk into the lines uh-huh. then in disguise and it's like. So my question is like, where did that start? Is that just a, kind of like a? Has it always been around or? Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's that a trope. That's what happened in Shakespeare. I mean, yeah, 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 I don't forget so. Wizard of Oz. They you know they did they yeah. put on the the same outfits of the people who marched into the witches' uh, palace too. Yeah. So. That was yeah. 1939. Yeah, it's, been so it's, it's been around for a while. A long-withstanding yeah. trope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest, I think, story difference in this from watching them back to back is the, which I kind of enjoyed and kind of I, I, I don't know if I bought all the logic, but uh, that the, they come back to the town and the bandits boot them out. They boot them out and they're like, yeah, and then give them their guns as they yeah, as they're out of that town. Was a little, I didn't really understand why the they would do that. That's the yeah. part I started to fade out at. And, okay. I was, and then I was like, why? Uh, I like it. He dr- said, I like yeah, it dramatically. It's about like you know, you know, 
Honor Amongst Thieves. Honor Amongst or Thieves or something. But it just didn't make... I mean, he they had already... They had killed, like, half of their men. Yeah. Like, it was just very strange. Yeah, so you guys should kill these guys now. Yeah, yeah. there's no reason not to. I, I like how <laughs> it ends up working out, but it's a, it's a sure. little... Sure, but it's all, all, it's all convenient, convenient yeah, for our, yeah. our heroes. But, uh, it's but, but it's, you know, that was great. So they come back in. They make that choice to come back in, and that's the sort of the last battle. And the, I enjoyed that. And I it, really, you know, I really enjoyed the um, putting the team together stuff at the. Uh, yeah, it was really well done. And seven, uh, seven samurai, they take about two hours. Oh, to do yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, they did it pretty quick, but I thought they did it in um, in in a great way that where you kind of got the essence of each character in a quick two or three minute scene. Like yeah, just it them up really boiled well. it right down to their um, to their uh, ego and id in seconds. You knew exactly mm-hmm. what that character was going to be represented as for the whole movie. Yeah, it's interesting though. It, 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 like this, the story does continue to be retold and retold. Whether it's like literal remakes or it's adaptations. Even as I was watching it now, I realized that I'm like uh, in the current storyline on The Walking Dead. They're doing this storyline basically right now, wow. or they're in it. Um, I don't know if you guys watched The Walking. Yeah, like, are you talking? I checked. It. The, 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 the Negan storyline is essentially like a version of <laughs> so the Magnificent Seven. Oh, but you gotta read the. Do you read the books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I'm, books are a much better version. Because the, the books read, are so good. The, the point I'm at is they, they've already defeated him, and he's oh, in yeah. jail in the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Spoiler for sorry, <laughs> totally ruined that. Um, but no, but I, but it is, it, but this, it is kind of like a Magnificent Seven. Um, blah blah. That's right. It. With the current well, season, I, I, yeah. I, I, well, that's just that storyline, that idea of like originally they set out to like help this other village by right. defeating like the 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 bad guy that's that's taking advantage of them. I see, I see. It is a bit, but it is that. Yeah. I, I, I never thought about that until I was watching it. I've been inundated with a story several yeah. times yeah. in the last day. Well, we should really just watch. I mean, it has hit me too. Bugs Life, Pixar. Yeah. it's the magnificent seven with bugs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's yeah. basically it. Yeah. right. Come, here comes Hopper, who is Calvera. Comes in and he's going to take all of the. It's both the, the exact story. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's so it's, it's not even a it's not even a light you know a light retelling. It's pretty much yeah. It's, a, it's pretty they much the Magnificent Seven. Some oh. somebody somewhere I'm sure has compiled the list. Of yeah, that, of like all the Magnificent Seven homages or ribos. <laughs> Although you know what's funny is when I saw Bugs Life, I, I thought it was the Three Migos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a point of reference, right? That's my, I, I, you know, that's a movie I've seen probably a hundred times, so I, uh, I know it by heart. I, I keep saying it last night, but I keep thinking A-Team. I mean, A-Team, they did it every episode. Yeah. They went in to help somebody, and then they helped them fortify or defend against somebody. Wasn't that also the Incredible Hulk TV series? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was one man in the army, but... Yeah. Well, the Incredible Hulk and the Littlest Hobo were basically the same show. Because the A-Team even had, like, the Mad Dog character. Yeah. Murdoch. But in the A-Team, they always got captured at one point. They always got locked into, like, a, a space, like a warehouse space with, with access to welding torch. torches and yeah. some <laughs> metal. Hey, look, all these metal, yeah, these materials lying yeah. around. Let's create a cannon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so what what was the difference between this and the uh, Seven Samurai in the terms of, like... Two, uh, an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> there was a slut-shaming scene. In, in the, oh, in, the, in yeah. The Sam, Sam, oh, well, the, the daughter storyline, like, yeah. the, the, the girl that was after the young guy was a much bigger story. Oh, okay. Seven Samurai. Yeah. There was her dad was a character, and originally you see uh, she, she's introduced combing her beautiful hair, and he comes in, he's like, "You're chopping that off," mm-hmm. and makes her dress up as a boy, and they run into each other, uh, and so so you see that whole bit where they send the girls off, right? 
because they're okay. worried about the sure. Yeah, here you just discover it later. Here you just discover it later. Yeah, well, there's, just, there's a great throwaway line where Queen's like, "I've been in a lot of villages with pretty girls and ugly girls, and never been in any villages with no girls." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they they know something. You know what? That's out. that's yeah. a good point. This was a really funny movie. Like there was a lot of. A lot of very funny lines. Well, that's what we were surprised about in Samurai last yeah. night. I'm like, I laughed a lot. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. Se- Seven Samurai is a very funny movie. You'd be surprised. I think for some reason both of them seem like some kind of grim thing because like maybe you know the yeah, well, you know, exactly, yeah. yeah. But it's but uh, it was very li- like there was parts that were really light and uh, you know they mm-hmm. yeah they kept that really light. But yeah, so the daughter storyline there was a, it was a bigger because her dad was a big character in the story and then also they uh, there was. I mean, the, the battles in Seven Samurai were spread out over about three days. Yeah. Where this one's kind of like an afternoon battle, <laughs> a slight skirmish, and then the, the village just gave them up. And then the next yeah. morning, the village. Well, which is a nice reversal. Yeah. So it's, you don't expect it because that doesn't happen right. in Seven Samurai. That's right. It's probably um, the biggest plot difference, I think. Yeah, yeah. but but of that, so they, they battle for like about two days, mm-hmm. and it's grueling. <laughs> and they have this great, like, there's a map, and they're keeping track of, like, we killed this many men now. They know, they know how many men are left. Mm-hmm. And I really like that device that they didn't use here. Um, but then, basically, they're at the point where both sides are exhausted, and it's the night before, and they know the next morning is going to be it. Yeah. And they might not make it, the other side might not make it, and so it's kind of like everyone has a last hurrah, and, and you have the guy in this movie talking about how, well, they've got stuff hidden, and we know they have stuff hidden. Yeah. <laughs> and in the time they do, they have, like, they bring out all the finest sake. Before the last and, and all of a sudden, it's like, fuckers did hide stuff. Um, <laughs> the other thing in Seven Samurai they explored a lot more than in Magnificent Seven was how afraid the villagers were of the actual men that were coming in to protect them. Because mm-hmm. that was big in Seven Samurai, which is why they had that extra story. They, they fleshed out the storyline with... The, the farmer cutting off his daughter's hair and sure. hiding them and everybody being mistrustful and, and mm-hmm. this and that. And they touched upon it uh, when they first sort of enter in Magnificent Seven and everybody's hiding until Horst starts ringing the bell. Yeah. And, you know, there's a similar scene to that in Seven Samurai. But there was a lot more of that backstory and the, the fear of the farmers of everything yeah. mm-hmm. uh, overall than in Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and so so the, the young girl seduces the guy and they, they make love and the father is... Fury, mm-hmm. he, he finds out and he's yeah. furious. And he's like, "You're damaged goods now," and throws her down in the middle of the square. Slut shames her. Well, after beating on her for a bit too, Be- like, beats like, her yeah. up in front of the entire town, and it's starting to pour down rain, and just leaves her weeping in a puddle. Um, so it was. It was also interesting to see, like, uh, you know, there was no to to get them to this place. They weren't offered a lot of money. They kind of just went willingly, like they were all, like they had all just, they were all kind of damaged. Like this was their, yeah. Well, I think this was their last stop. I think I mean, to your point, yeah. I'm talking about the, uh, if you look at it from like a historical point of view of where this movie takes place in the history of the Western, mm-hmm. like you said, it's like it's at the end of the golden age of the Western. Yeah. So probably a lot of these characters are those guys that haven't made their fortunes. They haven't made families. Right. They're these guys that are just like, well, we. You know this that one the guy that's chopping wood Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson yeah. You know how you know that well, the last yeah, battle. Six hundred bucks for that. Eight hundred bucks for that. He's like, Lost yeah, well, lot. twenty bucks is a lot of money now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get a sense that it's the end of an era. Yeah. And these guys don't have a whole lot else to do. Which is why, and it's it, it fits perfectly with the idea of like going back to Seven Samurai <clears> because <throat> they are they are Ronin, they are masterless samurai. They mm-hmm. you know they were warriors who once feared and when they had a cause to fight for, they went through incredible adventures and this and that. But now they are. They are aimless. Yeah, and they, they, they have, have no masters. Exactly. Have, and in the newest version, um, 
you, they they push that even further where you get a real sense that all these guys have done bad stuff and this is mm-hmm. their redeeming right. thing they're going to do they're going to they're going to clean their souls mm-hmm. but I think you get a taste of that in that scene where um, they're talking about what they've sacrificed to be in the position they're in mm-hmm. um, where uh, they're saying you know we have zero children yeah. and zero wives and you know zero homes and zero uh, places we can stay. These are enemies that are alive. Yeah, yeah. It's, that was a that was a pretty great scene. Uh, you know, to fi- just to find out. You know, because they look so, it looks so glamorous who they are. Yeah. Um, t- to, to the young, young to, to the, the young, young guy, boy's yeah. eyes, and they're like, yeah, but at what cost? So that was a pretty pretty uh, pretty good scene. Yeah, you get a sense of them. There's a real hubris to their humanity. It's mm-hmm. interesting. What? So you mentioned the humor surprised you. What else surprised you about you or Patrick about this? Having not seen it before, especially Patrick coming in off of seeing the original last last night. Oh, the Seven Samurai. Um, I found it really enjoyable. I thought it was pretty tight uh, in terms of I don't know. With Seven Samurai, I thought it was still a little like just in a uh, an older age of cinema where it was just maybe a little slower and, and a little less sophisticated. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was to me overall is a sort of more more enjoyable experience. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed a lot of the, a lot of the cast. Uh, yeah. I, w- I was surprised by the fact that there was long stretches where uh, there was no action. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of assumed that this is going to just be wall to wall like gunfights, <laughs> and you know, there's a couple at the end, but it's mostly about just kind of the relationships they form with this with the villagers, and yeah. um, you know, Charles Bronson. Um, becomes kind of a mentor to some kids, and um, uh, the young guy finds you know a girl who he begins to kind of uh, lightly romance through. The, well, and he's the guy that wants nothing more than just to run out and have adventures. Yeah, and ends exactly. up Settling down. Yeah, and uh, and even um, even the cowardly guy um, uh, Robert uh, Vaughn um, kind of you know it had a scene of him having a night terror. Um, where we get kind of his story about how he's kind of because it showed the gunfight where he was just hiding. Um, so it's funny that he kind of took the money to come, and but he was terrified. <laughs> well, he needed the twenty bucks to pay back his hotel. That's right. Yeah, before. but he stepped up at the end. He did step up at the Which end, is, and then then just stepped out and uh, yeah. just stood there. <laughs> you you never saw who really got him. It was just yeah. suddenly. Well, it seemed like, like the battle was shot. over. Yeah, he fell down, and then you, it, the camera turned around, and everybody was already like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he saved the villagers that actually yeah. that helped him. He did absolutely run right into that. Yeah, one back. But yeah. and it was those guys that he That's saved, right? So yeah. I thought that was a great scene too, where you know he just has a nightmare, and then the villagers are the ones that kind of give him some advice. Mm-hmm. So um, you know that was a that was surprising to me that um, that there'd be just so much drama and comedy and and world building and character building in and what I kind of always assumed was just going to be like a. A, you know, a wall-to-wall gunfight. Yeah. It's interesting. I think I, I would rank the endings of, like, the three movies being... I still think Seven Samurai has a f- the best ending. Mm. Like, it has this final battle in pouring down rain. There's huge, mud, yeah. horses, and people with sticks. It's just like, how is this... Who did this? Who thought this was a good idea and <laughs> safe? Some, somebody else died doing those. Um, <laughs> horses anyway. And I think... The and probably it's just because it's, it's new and it's modern, but it's like the ending of the the remake. The remake is pretty great. 
they've, yeah. got, they've got some different elements in there that are really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then and then this one, the ending of this one just felt, I don't know, it was okay. It didn't yeah, just grab, sort of come back in with no real yeah, plan except It didn't for, really grab me the way that, uh... Yeah. You know, it was kind of interesting that there was no grand fanfare for some of the deaths of, uh, of the characters. Yeah. Like, they just kind of... You died know, they died. Down the dirt. They yeah. died with no like. They didn't get a big death scene. They just were kind of in the melee, and then they would fall over and like. But that's kind of realistic. Though. Well, I mean, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Like, there was no like lingering on them too long. Like, it which was I just think they do, down, do in the remake of the remake. I think you get a little bit more fed of all the deaths. Of course you do. I'm sure you do. Yeah. You know, the, just like Charles Bronson, you know, had the biggest one because he. The kids were there. The kids were there, but uh, other than that, like, the rest of them just kind of yeah. went out really quickly. Like Colburn. Once he didn't make it. Yeah. Like, like that. All yeah. of a sudden, he's like, he kills all these guys, and then all of a sudden you see he's got a bullet yeah. hole in him. He throws the knife into the... Yeah, he's supposed to throw the knife, and you're like, he's going to get one of those kills. Like, no, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Even, more, even yeah. more than him, the guy who didn't want to come to the final battle... Oh, yeah. ...who rides yeah. in... And immediately shot gets away. shot dead. <laughs> Don't worry, Chris. I'll cover save you. Get shot down. Yeah, yeah it was right. like it was that was that took me by surprise. It yeah. was like, oh, here's the heroic rescue. Bam, he's dead. Like he was the first one to die. It was pretty shocking. Really cool thing uh, to note about the deaths is they die in the order they get recruited in. Oh, very interesting. Really, right? they did that. That was the whole because apparently the 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 way they wrote the script. Um, they hadn't choreographed the final battle scene, and it just says who dies, and it's given order. Yeah. Uh, and so Sturgis said, "Okay, well, we'll just do it in the order in which they got they got hired." So Harry was the first one on board. Yeah. Boom, he's mm-hmm. gone, right? And then who was it next? That's uh, really interesting. Yeah, and then it was, and then it was Charles Bronson off the roof. But he didn't die at that point, did he? Oh no, you're right. No, you're right. He got because uh, it was it was Robert Vaughn next. Yeah, I think. Uh, and then it was, uh, yeah, then it was Bronson, then it was, uh, Coburn. Right. But yeah, that was, that was, the the big thing was they, they got... That's really interesting, yeah. Yeah. I really, I really thought it was great. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it as well. What do you prefer over the two? Uh, well, you know what, it's, it's funny, because I did, I did, I saw The Magnificent Seven first, and that's, that's a very, it's a very vivid... Uh, film for me in my youth, and then seeing the source material of the Seven Samurai, which I love very much. But again, it's it's such a deliberate pace, you know, like the whole movie uh, mm-hmm. Seven Samurai, and it is it's an investment of time to sit there mm-hmm. and watch it. And I'm sure it's 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 a lot of stuff is well beyond my over over my head in terms of you know what he wants to accomplish, and like it feels like a much smarter movie mm-hmm. than I am. Uh, Magnificent Seven was like just a, it felt more like an adventure to me, like in terms of just gathering, collecting the seven felt more, more fun, more, there was more of a, an adventurous yeah. sense of like, you know, now two, four, five, and mm-hmm. six. Uh, and so I, my heart is, is still with the Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's a remake, but it's, it's actually, it's in the Western Hemisphere and that's where I was raised, right? Yeah. So that's more my sensibility, of, but I do have ties. <clears throat> Patrick? Yeah. Um, I would think Magnificent Seven, I think it's sort of a little tighter, more entertaining. Um, you you've seen both versions of Seven Samurai. Would mm-hmm. you would you think like the the, the shorter version is perhaps technically paced? Or I think so. I think so. Yeah, because it definitely makes just it, they 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 do excise. I'm, I'm positive the 
the like the the slut shaming scene. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. is, is taken out actually. Yeah. So they, they they kiss and this and that, but and then there's that question <clears> of him staying or not at the end. But they do they just sort of remove that element of yeah. it. Um, I think I'm the outlier. I think I prefer Seven Samurai huh. to Magnificent Seven, and I really like both. Mm-hmm. But there was something that was just like all that stuff that you're talking about. I think I think that the character there's just like something a little more in depth and spending that time. Uh, and just what I liked, I just liked how long those battle scenes yeah. went on. Um, but there was still character stuff going on in and amongst it, and the kind of relationships between them. Um, I, I like them all. I like all mm-hmm. three, even the, the newest remake has some great stuff in it. And then they all tell their own stories, and they're all very different. But it's no battle beyond the stars. <laughs> no battle beyond the stars. Far trumps them all. It's so bad. <laughs> I can't admit it. It's so bad. Um, yeah, so if you're planning your, your Magnificent Seven marathon, you don't need to include Battle Beyond the Stars? But you, but could. you could. You could. <laughs> Just put it on while you're doing your taxes. Yeah, while you're, you're taking a break to do your taxes. Uh, great. Any final thoughts? I was very happy to see them. I, I love seeing them back to back. I really enjoyed comparing them and seeing where they differ and where they're the same. And yeah. the even some lines are directly lifted, like right at the end. Uh, even the beginning, you know. those actors that are playing the Mexican villagers are terrible. <laughs> that was the one that they killed me at the beginning. I'm like, oh god. Well, good thing that the American stars are showing up in a few minutes <laughs> to rescue us from this horrid acting. I wonder, I wonder if those scenes were just like really early in the shooting because I thought they got better. Yeah, they the did get better. Yeah, because that they were really bad in that opening scene. And the one thing that they didn't have, they tried with that one guy. Uh, his name I can't remember his name. The one, one of the the the, the farmers. Uh, There's a character in Seven Samurai. With the face. Yohei, who is, oh, he's got this face on him. It's just amazing in his reactions. And he's a real character. And he has a real great arc. That, 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 so that was something that was absent from, his, from this one as well. His face looks like one of the masks for drama. You know, the, com- the <laughs> comedy so tragedy. Though he looks like those masks. Japanese Charlie Brown. Yeah. Why is yeah. this always happening to me? Yeah, I, th- I think it's just like, I think what Seven Samurai did really well too is you got a, a better sense of the villagers. Right. Uh, where the one thing in Magnificent Seven that you get that you don't get in Seven Samurai is you get a more sense of the bandits. I love yeah. that. I thought yeah. because I they're yeah, kind of nameless and faceless in yeah. Seven Samurai. Yeah. Considering it's a three and a half hour movie, you don't know anything about the bandits. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that with this one. That's something I missed in Seven Samurai. I kept thinking like, who are the? You know, there are some movies where you keep them. Keeping not knowing that makes them more terrifying. Well, I, that's, I think that's that really what Kurosawa was doing. He was okay. going with that approach where he was like, let's either get to yeah. know them or not at all. Mm-hmm. But other than Calveras, really, you didn't know the rest of the. I mean, they didn't even know who they were because Horst came in and yeah, <laughs> <himself>. <laughs> they didn't even know who was on their side, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, sure, that would that would have been really really interesting, I think, too. And it's like it, it, you could have made the bandits even scarier, I think. If you'd gotten to know a little bit more about the leader, for sure. Well, you didn't even know who. You just knew the leader had like that special hat. But another guy had a, the special hat. Oh, so they didn't even know who the leader was in Seven Samurai. Yeah. You didn't even know who. They didn't have like a name that you could say. Oh, it's Calveras. It was just that guy. The, the guy with the fancy. It was, it was the, the bandits in general. There's forty of them, and hmm. we got to try to kill them all because. Yeah. Oh no, he had the eye patch. Yeah, the yeah. leader had the eye patch. <laughs> That's right. You know, Terrible choice for a leader. <laughs> <laughs> no depth of perception at all. Uh, yeah. Any other final thoughts? 
This is so much fun. Will you now seek out the the new new one? I I will. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, and I'll, I'll and uh, you need to see Three Amigos. You, I need to see yeah, Three Amigos. That's crazy. We'll do that as I think we'll do it as another one of these. Wow. Because, Dude, the Three Amigos battle beyond the stars. Oh, really? oh, oh no! I'll come for the first part. Yeah, I can't get I can't. the vomit buckets ready. Oh. I'd love to watch Three Amigos with you guys and see okay. uh, see how because you guys you haven't seen it for a long time. I've seen it in ages. Uh, I remember loving. Oh my loved god! It as a kid. It holds up. Okay, yeah. we'll get the Three Amigos going. Thanks for joining us for The Magnificent Seven. I hope you enjoyed this uh, original and remake podcast back-to-back. I think we're going to do a couple of these as we go along. It's kind of fun for me anyway to to do that and explore the movies that way. And hopefully it's fun for you, the audience, to listen to us do that. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter, at Lalon Jeremy. And check us out on Facebook for Black Hole Films. Feel free to suggest any films you think we should cover and, you know, ask any questions you want to ask. Until next time, get out there and watch something you've never seen. Thanks. <laughs>